Welcome to TIFF Talks. The opinions and views expressed on TIFF Talks is that of Tiffany Stokes Dinkins solely, or her guests solely, and are meant to provide information as well as comedic humor. None of said opinions or views necessarily represent Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. This podcast contains explicit language, including vulgar comments, profanity, and graphic descriptions of events. Furthermore, the people described in this podcast are of actual clients. Names, places, and specific details have been changed to protect the privacy and sanctity of Tiffany Stokes Dinkins' clients. Listener discretion advised. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of TIFF Talks. This is episode 11, and I want to apologize to everyone who does listen to this podcast because I guess I needed a little bit of a break from doing that which provides me peace and therapy. Um... Because last month was just a very difficult month, which is the basis of today's episode. Um, last month, it, last month and the month of June are just two months that are very, very hard for um, many different reasons, but for one in particular. This episode is really going to be about daddy issues, and I say that with very hard air quotes. Um, because whether your father, biological father, I mean, um, was in your life or had access to your life, I think everyone has some form of issue based on the relationship or lack thereof. Um, but it was very hard for me last month to even come on to have a conversation to just therapize my experience or a client's experience um, because I guess of all of my trauma and all of my issues. So this is one thing that I want to make clear to people who happen to go and attend therapy or are interested in therapy. Um, A lot of us who enter this field, sometimes we come into it with our own set of issues and we become therapists because we want to learn more about ourselves, but also to work through whatever issues we got going on and then be able to use our stories as testimonies when helping others. In my case, as I probably mentioned in previous episodes, I became a therapist to give others what wasn't given to me. I think today you'll understand what I mean by that as I go into this tale. But before I even start, because even with all my healing and all my work and all the work that I've done that I suggest for my clients to do, I think it's important just to give a little bit of a a psych history or like a psych 101 as to why the connection with your parents or your caregivers is very, very important. And whatever that connection is, it dictates how you operate as an adult. And so what I mean by that is in a lot of uh, psychological theories like um, object relations, uh, I think of um, 
Winnicott, because I mentioned Winnicott a lot, and attachment theory, right? Who and what we're connected to speaks to our personality, speaks to how we connect with other people. In particular, when it comes to attachment per se, and having a healthy attachment, a disorganized, ambivalent, or just a complete dis-ease or a, a non-attachment or avoidant attachment. There's different names for it. I was taught in the school of avoidant attachment. I know that later other theorists have used um, a detachment or a non-attachment type of uh, theory, but really it's just based on how safe you feel within yourself in your formative years, which is your first five years of life when your caregiver, your parent, is away from you. In my case, my parents were away all the time. Um, one more so than the other, even if he was physically present. He was always away mentally and emotionally. And as I mentioned in a previous episode, I believe it was the bad person episode, um, I had to come to terms with the fact that my father wasn't necessarily a bad person, but he did do a lot of bad things. And it wasn't until I did my healing and I did my own work where I was able to identify that he wasn't a bad person. At my current age, even saying that out loud, though I have done the work and I continue to do the work because it's a lifelong journey, it's still hard to be able to say that my father wasn't a bad person. He just did a lot of bad things. So if I start from the beginning, um, I was the, the child of the 80s, early 80s, where um, if you guys are even uh, were alive at that time, you know what I mean when I say that. And so there were a lot of things that didn't necessarily exist like they do now. So, you know, I'm the child of the rotary phone or the cord phone in the wall. You know, I'm the child uh, that had the box TV that was on the floor. So like it took up like half the living room. Um, I, I'm the kid that had the antenna uh, on top of the TV. and You had to put aluminum foil on it to stop the static. Uh, only having channels uh, 2 through 11 and PBS was on 13 and, you know, then growing up video music box. So you had to turn the channel to 21 or 23. So, you know, some of y'all, you know what I'm talking about when I say that. Right. Um, but just to give you, you know, the background. My mother worked all the time. She had to. She was the primary breadwinner. She um, was the solid one. She was the stable one. She was the responsible one. And when I was born, it's not to say that my mother immediately went back to work. She really didn't. Um, it was several, several months before she even went back to work. I believe I was about eight months old um, when she did. And um, I was then left with, you know, a babysitter and, you know, even though for the majority of my life, my father didn't necessarily work per se, um, it wasn't like he was really present in raising me. 
So I was always under the eye of other people because my father wasn't necessarily stable enough um, or sober enough to be able to care for me as he should. Um, and it's not to say that he couldn't have been. It's just that um, he chose not to be. And the one thing that really had a vice on him was addiction. Um, the main uh, substance of choice was alcohol. A fifth of Smirnoff was his daily drink. And if it was ever interrupt with, in, interrupted rather, in the morning, um, it was a problem. He was really mean and really nasty. Um, and something that I learned very, very early, I want to say I was about four or five, was that if I wanted to have any kind of conversation with my father, I had to catch him in what's called the sweet spot. And that sweet spot was like he had already started drinking, right? But he wasn't necessarily drunk yet. And sometimes it was really hard to gauge like, okay, so when did he start drinking? How much did he have? Okay, wait, so if he's like this amount left of sober, then okay, we might be able to play or have a dance or a kung fu fight or something, right? Because he was really big into uh, kung fu movies, as he would call it. Like he would go down to Times Square or even secretly take me to Times Square. My mother would probably kill him if she if he was alive and she knew that that's what he was doing when I was a kid because Times Square in the 80s was no joke. You guys can do history lessons on Netflix if you don't know what I'm talking about. But um, anywho, I might be able to catch him in that sweet spot. But if he was already gone, gone, it was a wrap. He was either asleep or, you know, he was gone or he would just leave the house. Right. And so that was as much of a connection that I really had with my father. Um whenever I did spend time with him, and again, I use really hard air quotes, a lot of the times he was taking me to his girlfriend's houses. Now he was legally married to my mother and was legally married to my mother to the day that he died, right? But it never stopped him from, you know, sleeping around and being a rolling stone. So who knows? I may have a bunch of siblings out there that I don't even know who they are, you know, all over Manhattan, all over the Bronx. Um, I may even have nieces and nephews that exist all over the Bronx, all over Manhattan, right? I have no idea. But um, when it came to being responsible or being responsible for me, it was very difficult for him because his addiction was stronger than me. Um, and alcohol may have been his main thing, but it's not to say that he didn't try other things as well, even when he was supposed to be caring for me. He was never my disciplinarian, but uh, what he did uh, give me, if you will, was the ability to figure out what I didn't want to be. And because of his lack of attention or lack of, of engagement with me, if you will, I definitely learned how to operate, to move, and to maneuver alone. Because remember, my mother worked all the time. And so I spent, as an only child, a lot of time by myself. 
I remember days being five and six where I'm making whole dinners like frying chicken, mac and cheese, you know, boiling spinach, things like that on my own because my father's passed out. You know, um, I even remember nights where there was no food in the house and I had to try to figure out if I was going to eat. And my mother would get home 11 at night, sometimes midnight, and have to run to McDonald's to feed me because I didn't eat all day, if she could even afford it. So needless to say, my relationship with my dad was pretty shitty. I can't even say I really had one, and I also can't even say that he was my dad. Um, I don't think I really ever had one. Um, And because of that distance, um, and also because of the mental abuse, uh, where he would tell me pretty often how I was a burden and that he didn't want me, and I interfered with his relationship with my mother, so on and so forth. Like, I was a huge inconvenience in his life. Or if I told my mother where he took me and what he was doing or the reason why he can't get to your job or get me to your job, rather, is because he's drunk and, you know, he's wobbling all over the place. Me telling my mother that made me a turncoat. Uh, turncoat being an old school term for traitor, like I was snitching, right? That I was a snitch. Um, not Him not even thinking that maybe this was just really unsafe to be traveling with a young child and you're intoxicated, but that's a different conversation. All of those things really put a very sour taste in my mouth when it came to men and even more sour taste when it came to relationships. And it's not to say that I didn't want relationships. In fact, I romanticized it. Like I lived off the Disney movie. I lived off of, you know, romantic comedies, rom-coms, right? That's, that was the shit that I, you know, aspired for. I thought all that was real and that I would have that one day, right? I would dream and have dreams of, of Prince Charming and all this stuff and being swept away and all this other crap, right? until reality really hit me and I was entering relationships that not only were significantly toxic but I defined love by the mere fact that they were paying attention to me and would do just about anything for that attention like that's how desperate I was for their attention for some sense of they like me or they want me around Um, And it's not to say that I'm proud of any of it. And in truth, I don't regret any relationship I've ever been in um, because regret would mean that I wish it never happened. And that's not necessarily true because if it didn't happen, it would not make me into the sovereign woman that I am now. Um, But I will say that I carry a lot of pain from it. And that pain is what I'm working through because I only entered into into those types of relationships. I only accepted men's behavior, whether it was the physical violence, whether it was emotional violence, whether it was, you know, they drop in and out of my life and they were only in for periods of time and then they would ghost me. You know, I accepted all of that. One, because I didn't love myself, but two, because I was still so very angry 
at my father not being my father and him dying two weeks before my high school graduation and at 17 years old asking him why like why were all these things and all these people more important than me and him even at death in his deathbed could not answer why all of that was more important than me and why I couldn't be special to him I didn't realize how much I normalized all that abuse right where I thought that this is how men were going to treat me and they couldn't be any better than what I experienced until I got married and what's so interesting is that even though I've been able to do episodes with my husband and we can laugh and kiki and he is definitely you know my closest friend you know and like we have a solid friendship when it comes to this marriage you know there's a lot of things that I also accept in this marriage as well including the absence of romance the absence of appreciation the absence of right thinking that this is all that i deserve but i didn't realize that i didn't realize any of it until i obtained my spiritual grounding and my sovereignty right and so the steps to heal really start with acknowledging what you've accepted and didn't accept and what really is incongruent with your authentic self. When I really finally tapped into my authentic self, I started seeing and realizing that I'm kind of doing exactly what I was doing in my teenage and early 20 years. You know, with being in a relationship that wasn't giving me everything. and and trying to figure out well one do i need everything and two will i be able to get everything from who i'm with or should i just operate alone again and be alone again it's no different than how alone i feel right now right and so this is what i impart on you to take that time to really evaluate your relationship with your significant other And if your daddy issues, if you happen to be male or female, doesn't really matter honestly. Um, has it had an effect? If you are a woman and you happen to have had uh any form of issues or complexes when it came to dad, like what was that relationship like? Cuz our fathers, our parents in general are our first love. So really evaluate what that relationship was and what was your understanding of what a relationship is how are you now relating as an adult with other people what does that even mean to you it's important to focus on that to really tap into that so that you can get into those spaces of healing what our parents weren't able to teach us it's important It doesn't make our parents bad people. It doesn't make your father a bad person per se, depending on what he did or didn't do. Um, but they may have just done a lot of things from a space of not knowing or not being mature enough or just not being equipped themselves. It really wasn't until I was an adult that I realized that my father was just as damaged and just as depressed and miserable. as I grew up to be cuz my 20s I was significantly depressed I was angry as hell and I was doing a lot of reckless shit interestingly 
no different than my dad. So the same person that I was trying to not be like, I ended up being just like him and not even realizing it until I started doing the work. I really hope that this conversation was helpful because I tell you, I revealed a lot more than I thought I would reveal on a public forum. Um, but thank you for even listening, for tuning in. Um, if you have any questions, it's really easy to contact me. Um, if you are interested in therapy, um, my Instagram handle is be well with Tiffany underscore. It's all one word. Be well with Tiffany underscore. Um, so you can find me on Instagram and my website for therapy se- um, sessions or what have you is www.thementalmatters, all one word, thementalmatters.com. Peace and blessings, love and light to all of you. Make sure you take care of yourselves. Peace.